It is, it's really good to have you all here today. Um, for those of you who don't know me, my name is Gavin. If you are visiting for the first time, fantastic. We won't make you stand up and sing, but uh, thank you. It's good to have you guys. Uh, just a couple of things in terms of announcements. Hopefully you are on the OTC WhatsApp uh, news group. Uh, but if you aren't, we aren't really going to put some slides up there. Uh, there's a couple of things. There is a, an employment initiative which we are kind of um, partnering with, uh, and there are some uh, details which are on the, on the WhatsApp group uh, for that. On the 25th of February, if you are not baptized and you would like to be baptized, uh, Darren, who's Darren, you want to put your hand up. Darren over here is going to be running a baptism, and there's going to be some teaching behind that. So won't you please reach out to Darren after the service or get hold of him via WhatsApp. Um, we also have Healthy Hearts Initiative, which happens here, which is going to be this Thursday on the 15th at, at 8 a.m., and you can reach out to Sandy um, for that. And then also the last thing is on the 10th of May, there's going to be a conference, um, which is the three different participants, and there's Aaron McElroy, I forget the other person, and the third person is going to be Dr. Caroline Leaf. Um, there was, I think back at the end of last year, um, Nicole helped with the, I can't quite remember, Caroline Leaf came, did, did come to speak. She's a world-renowned neuroscientist, South African-born, really faithful uh, woman. Uh, for those of you who do follow Elevation Church at all, uh, interestingly, Stephen Furtick uh, interviewed her, and she has this amazing blend of her faith and kind of the neuroscience, um, and it's just really, really insightful in understanding how that links. Um, and so the, so she's going to be talking on the 10th of May. There is a cost for that, but the details, and I th uh, where is it going to be? Can you know? At Hillside Church. It's going to be up at Hillside Church, um, up in Hillcrest. So Please just reach out if you're looking for the details on that. Uh, but other than that, we are very privileged to have Ross Roger. Why don't you give him a hand as he comes up? <laughs> so for those of you who don't know Ross, Ross is the lead pastor over all three sites. Um, and it's always a joy to have him. I love Ross's, Ross's preaching and teaching, and it is biblical. We have checked it. Um, so we're just going to pray. <laughs> Father, thank you that you bless this man. Thank you for the word that he is going to be sharing with us today. Thank you for... Our Lord, just his insight and his knowledge that he imparts is just, um, you know, just such a blessing, and he is such a gift to our church. Thank you, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you. It is cool to be with you. I don't know what it is about the first service that you can't find a chair here in the second service. <laughs> just saying. Anyway, Matt is in Mshloti preaching at our site there. And there's a little building that we're looking to buy, so pray for us there. Uh, I just need a developer who wants to do a development with me. I'm quite amped. Uh, so that's happening there. And uh, Matt always says, please can you give some feedback uh, around Florida Road? So something you may not know, we partnered with a church into the inner city and, uh, about a year and a half ago, and they planted into the other side of Gravel. So it's like a stone's throw from, from us, but they aimed at me at uh, ministering to DUT, and that church has just gone, it's like at about 200 people now, and it's just like pumping, it's really, really cool, so that's happening, and uh, in Florida Road, we're actually looking at that church like an army, and we're just going, dudes, we need you to get into this area and make SRAs, you know, where you have rates associations, we, we're doing UIPs and SRAs across from Glenwood all the way through to the river. Um, and so we've got multiple groups of people working together to improve the area as I kind of work with City to unlock some stuff. So some cool stuff is happening and people are getting saved. It's just very, very cool. It's been a good year, despite politics. Anyway, 
Today, I am going to teach a whole bunch. But to set you up, I've got this mate. Um, he's about six foot four. He looks, he's a bit of a cross between a Greek god body and a Neanderthal face. He just, he's, he's that kind of guy. And, uh, and he does MMA and he's very butch. And he's just, he's probably got about 3% body fat. So, so I decided the other day, I thought to myself, I want to um, put on a little bit of weight. And the reason is I know that like five kgs more and I'm at my like peak and I'm starting to feel these niggles. Some people tell me I'm getting old, but I don't believe them. And so I, I said to him, I said, how am I going to put on five kgs? He said, Ross, so easy. We'll get you sorted. It'll, it'll take somewhere between a week and a month and I'll get you five kgs. So I said, go for it. How are we going to do it? So he says, well, all you have to do is eat about seven eggs a day. I don't know why the oak hates chickens, but you, you need to have three protein shakes, and you need to train uh, at least once a day. And then he started telling me about these injections. You've got to inject into your bum this day, and then into your arms the next day. And, and he was going on and on. And I thought to myself, flip 78 kgs, just great. <laughs> just, let's stay there. Now, the reason I tell you that story is because lots of times when people come to Christianity, they look at the ninja Christians, and they go, I would love to be like that, but I just can't imagine eating seven eggs and three protein shakes. I just can't imagine the discipline being me. And so they miss out on enjoying God. And today as we unpack enjoying God, my, my real message is really about, firstly, why you really want to take this seriously. And then secondly, how you spiritually fight. Because this thing is a spiritual fight to enjoy God. And the way I want to look at it is looking at a different way to read your Bible. So if, you, if you're not a Christian here and you just, you, you kind of got dragged here, count tiles for the next 10 minutes and then I'll get really practical. But here's how, how I want you to understand the Bible. When people read the Bible, they have lenses. So let me give you a couple of lenses. There's a lens called the Trinitarian theology. What that means is everything we look at in the Bible, we look through the lens of a Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And so when the Bible starts, we go, there's a Father, Son, and Holy Spirit in this relationship where it's like Jesus is going, my dad's the best. And the Father's going, my son's the best. And Jesus is going, it's better for you dudes that I go because the Holy Spirit, he's the best and he's coming. And what we get is this picture of Father, Son, and Holy Spirit in such glorious, beautiful relationship of love that they're going, this is too good. We've got to share it. Let's make man. It's actually what separates us from Islam and Judaism and a whole bunch of other religions. It's that we have a triune God who wants to express love. And so as we read through the Bible, man sins and we go, but our triune God sends the son to die for sin. And that was the father's plan. And the Holy Spirit is working to save people through that work. And all the time, it's this heavenly father who's looking to adopt children back into the family. It's a family lens. So you can imagine, if you have a Trinitarian theology, everything you're looking at in the Bible is about family. Let me give you another lens. There's a, a lens called the kingdom lens. So you know Jesus spoke about the kingdom more than anything else. He's just always talking about the kingdom. Well, the kingdom started back in Exodus. What happened was God comes along, 
and Israel's under slavery, and God comes, and I don't know if you've ever read this, but there are 10 plagues. The 10 plagues are an attack on the 10 gods the Egyptians worshipped. Nile God, Nile becomes blood. Fertility God, frogs multiply everywhere. It's sun God, he makes it dark. Like, time after time after time, what God's doing is he's saying, Egyptians, your gods are not God. I will show you who's God. And then he, res he rescues Israel out, takes them through the Red Sea, wipes out the Egyptian army, and then takes them to a mountain, Mount Sinai. And at Mount Sinai, God gives what would be called, very theological term, a Suzerian treaty. It was basically what would happen. Imagine, I'm a Zimbabwean. Imagine Zimbabwe took over South Africa. It's a beautiful thought. And, uh, and the king of Zim came along and he said, you are now my people. If you don't want to be my people, you will die. That was kind of how it happened then. If you want to be my people, hear the T's and C's. Suzerian Treaty. This happened throughout the known world. At Mount Sinai, the people understand God is basically coming and going, I am now your king. Here are my T's and C's. Do you want to be part of the nation? That's what happens. And in that moment, God becomes king. And from then on, we see his kingdom being expressed. And so we get to Solomon. And in Solomon, we get a picture of what earth can look like with heaven's control. So we have this guy leading out of heavenly wisdom and knowledge and understanding, and there's peace on all sides, and there's, everyone has their own vine. And in other words, everybody has all they need to thrive. And there's gold. It's like, it says it's like stones. It's just everything is prosperous. So when we read about that, we go, man, my job is to bring the kingdom. Well, then I need to engage with city management to begin to restore things and bring peace and bring life into where it's dead. And I need to find the economic nodes and set them alight and, and open them up. Why? Because that's what Solomon would have done. That's what the kingdom looks like. We need to make sure that people can thrive. This is kingdom. Now, when I think about enjoying God, I read the Bible through what's called temple theology. So, are you still with me? I know, it's like high level, don't worry, I'll come back down. I'm, I'm not that bright, I can't stay there for too long. But uh, I'm going to read about the first temple. When you read the Bible, you can understand it through the end is a temple and revelation comes down to earth, and the beginning is a temple, and there are a whole bunch of temples in between. So I'm going to read from Genesis 2 and dive in. This is what it says. This is the account of the heavens and the earth when they were created. When the Lord God made the earth and the heavens, sorry, I put the comma in the wrong place. Now no shrub had yet appeared on the earth and no plant had yet sprung up for the Lord God had not sent rain on the earth. There was no one to work the ground. It's a beautiful thought. God will not provide what he has no person to administrate. That's what's going on here. But streams came up from the earth and watered the whole surface of the ground. Then the Lord God formed a man from the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. And the man became a living being. Now the Lord God had planted a garden in the east, in Eden, and there he put the man he had formed. That word in Eden can be translated near Eden or next to Eden. So here's what we got. Show me some pictures. Kloof, 
basically. No, imagine the Garden of Eden, okay? What you have is you have Eden at the center. And then you have a garden that God's planted around. And then there's the outermost parts. And Adam has a job. Make this garden grow. That's his job. But it also says that Adam is to tend and keep the garden. Now, the words tend and keep are the same words used for the job of priests in Leviticus. They are called to minister and guard, tend and keep. Same Hebrew words. Because Adam was the first priest. In the temple, show me another picture. Another one. Okay, that was the tent. Literally, they decided to build one the other day. In that tent, there is a holy of holies. It's the place the priest would go in once a year, engage with the presence of God, hope he wouldn't die, come out. Then there was an inner court. It was a place the priests were meant to sit in the presence of God. And then there was outer court, outside. That is kind of the same as Eden, the garden, outermost parts of the world that he's to spread the garden to. It's the same in the temple. In, the, in, the, in this garden, go back to beautiful garden, in the garden, there was a tree of knowledge of good and evil. It's basically like the law in the Holy of Holies. There was a tree of life. It's like the candelabra. It was actually supposed to look like a tree and light was coming from it. And the, the principle was this. If you remain in the presence of God under the light of God, you will have life eternal flowing through you. The garden was the first temple. And then we get the tent. And then we get Solomon's temple. Shoot through to Solomon's. And one day, Jesus stands out of that, outside of that. Now, you, if you've been to Jerusalem, like the stones are unbelievable, especially in the early morning, because it's just these white stones that literally glisten. And it, it, you can see this shining across, and the, mount, the temple would have been on the top of the mountain, so you would have seen this. And Jesus is standing outside the temple, and the Pharisees are giving him a hard time, because Jesus is always, always in conflict with the Pharisees. And the Pharisees say to him, give us a sign. And he says, okay, destroy this temple, and I'll rebuild it in three days. And the Pharisees go, dude, it took 46 years to build that thing. How are you going to rebuild it in three days? And then John writes, but he was not talking about the temple. He was talking about his body. Now, let me tell you what's going on here. God so wanted to dwell with you that he built a temple in a garden, but man turned away. So he built a temple in a tent, and the scripture says he walked amongst them, but man turned away. And then he built a temple of stone. But man didn't want to dwell with God. And so Jesus went, I cannot take it anymore. I'm coming. And in John it says, in the beginning was the word, and the word was God, and the word was with God. And the word became flesh and dwelt, tabernacled, tented is the Hebrew word. He basically came to be with you because you didn't want to be with him. And because of that, the Bible says, when he went to the cross, you became the temple. And then Paul writes in Corinthians, you are the temple. 
here's the big idea. From the very beginning, God has had a bullseye on your chest going, that's where I want to be. I want to dwell with you. And I will literally move heaven and earth to get there. I will do everything I can to be with you. You want to know your job? Enjoy him. Just glorify him and enjoy him. It is the purpose of your life to literally go, you want to be with me more than I want to be with you. I am going to enjoy you today. Now, let me add something else. I, uh, I holidayed in Neisner. Neisner over December. Oh, beautiful. I have this mate who spoils me every year. He had a boat outside. We went skiing with our kids. Like, it was just, oh. And then I drove back to KZN. You know when, you, when the air is fresh, and then you come in, and it feels like you just walked straight into syrup? It's like... Because we have, we have everything. We have the business forums. We've got Zuma's thing. We've got, like, disinvestment. Everybody's pulling stuff out. Like, you name a problem, man, we have it on steroids. Like, we have talented amounts of problems in KZN. And, and if you think you're in the know, I, I know more. We're worse than you think. And so I'm driving in, and I can feel the spiritual mess and the emotional mess and all my mates telling me they want to sell up and get out of here. And, and I'm, I'm driving in, and I'm just like, ah. And I get the scripture. Where sin abounds, grace abounds much more. Where darkness is thriving, light shines a lot brighter. There is no way that God would put me here at this time if he wouldn't resource me to thrive here and make a difference at this time. In fact, when everybody's flying, it's actually a phenomenal time for me. Because I can just go, okay, you don't want your calling, I'll take it. You don't want your calling, I'll take it, I'll take it, I'll take it. Let me give it to my church. Because there is going to be a grace and favor for you to unlock stuff. This is the beauty of living here. If you understand the river. So, let me explain the river. I can see how excited you all are. Well done for not falling asleep. There's a river. In the garden, God puts a river. The river's there because if you're going to expand the garden, you need some water. So God will always give you what you need to fulfill your purpose. So he puts a river there for Adam to expand. Now, that's the first river in the first temple. How many of you like, have lived in church? For, you've been Christians for years and years. If you've been in charismatic church, you remember that story about the dude who walks into the river and then he goes to his ankles and then he goes to his knees. And you remember the story? It's always taken out of context. Let me show you a picture of the story. That dude, and he's next to the angel. Anyway, that river is, in Ezekiel 47, it's a vision of a river flowing out of the temple. Show me the next picture. It's a stream that becomes a river, and it goes into the Dead Sea. Show a picture of the Dead Sea. Anyone been to the Dead Sea? Beautiful, hey? That's the Dead Sea. It's beautiful, but that 
damp lake is eight times as salty as the CC. So basically, you go there, you lie in the water, you become a prune. That's the vibe. Everything dies there. And in this vision, the river flows into the Durban, I mean Dead Sea, and wherever it flows, fish live. Let me tell you why this matters. So my little girl comes to me the other day and she says, Dad, will you do a Bible study with me? Now, if your child asks you that, it is like, lose all your clients, let's engage. This is a moment. So I turn to John 4, I don't know why I turned there, and I start reading to her. And it's the story about the woman at the well. And Jesus goes and he's sitting at the well waiting, which is amazing. God would wait. And then I explained to her, listen, the situation is this. Jesus is walking through Samaria. The Jews hated the Samaritans so much they walked around. It's like Maritzburg. How can I get around? No. And, and so he gets there and he goes, he just sits and waits. And then this woman comes, Samaritan woman. They hated each other. And when she gets there, Jesus says, can I have some water? And the woman says to Jesus, now she's sarky. She's actually a funny chick. She says to him, what, you're a Jew asking me a Samaritan? This is like apartheid. You white person asking a black person? Are you nuts? That's basically what's going on here. Are you asking me for water? And Jesus goes, if you knew who you were speaking to, you would ask me. And you would have living water. Now she is still being sarcastic. She goes, Give me some of this water so I don't have to fill my blooming bucket up every day. This is what's going on. She's cocky. And so Jesus is still talking to her. And then she asks a question about should we worship on this mountain or that mountain. And Jesus says this to her. Go call your husband. You know, God can be sneaky and probably horrible every now and again. If you don't know this about God, he can be. He will find you. He'll put you in a corner and then he'll just get into your face when you can't go anywhere. That's what's going on here. And she goes, I don't have a husband. And he said, yeah, that's right. You haven't got a husband. You've had five. And the man you're living with now isn't your husband. And as I said that, I just started crying. Because I can feel this woman. I can feel the desolation. You've got to understand, the Sumerians, or that world was run by Syrians. They were mercenaries. If they found a single woman, they'd rape her. That world was run so carnally that a woman living on her own would invariably become a prostitute just because she couldn't economically live without it. So you've got a woman who gets taken in and rejected. Now you've seen people go through divorce. Maybe you've gone through divorce. You know the pain of that. And then another man takes her in, uses her, rejects her. And then another man takes her in, uses her, rejects her. And then a fourth man takes her in, uses her, rejects her. And then a fifth man takes her in, uses her, rejects her. And she gets to the place where her heart is so hard, her hope is so gone, that she just goes, I'd rather just live with a guy so I don't get raped than do this again. 
And she's living with a guy who's probably using her. And her soul is desolate. And I'm reading this. And I'm remembering the day that I walked into church hopelessly lost and deeply lonely and sat there through worship and the river of living water went into my soul and touched parts of my being that I didn't know existed and filled me with love that I didn't know could happen. And I began to weep from rivers of living water. I know the rivers of living water that have provided for me when I didn't have the resources to buy stuff. And I know the rivers of living water that I have felt flow through my body when I've prayed for the sick and seen them instantly healed. And I know the rivers of living water that have flowed through me when demon-possessed people have been in front of me and we've cast them out. And I know the rivers of living water that have allowed me to walk into meetings with city managers and sit down and with authority tell them stuff. I know the rivers of living water that have given me power and authority in this world. And I know that you were designed to have a river of living water flowing through you, and damn, you need it. And let me tell you the problem. It's always hard when you need to sneeze and you just can't. I'm so sorry. Just let it go. Good one. In that garden, there was a tree and a snake. This is your problem, my problem, everyone's problem. It's a tree and a snake. We've got a river that will feed us. We've got the presence of God that will give us everything we need, the life we need. We're meant for Eden. But there's this darn tree with a darn snake. And the snake comes up to Eve and goes, check out the tree. Kefir. And the fruit on the tree looks like that triple-decker Willie's chocolate ice cream whatever that thing is. And she looks, and it's beautiful. See, the enemy only has three things. You've got the lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, and the pride of life. And so it looks beautiful, and it looks delicious. And she, he tells her, if you take her that, you will be like God's. But it, the word often translated like God, but it's not like El. It's like Elohim. Elohim is a spiritual being. It's like a spiritual being. What he's saying to her is if you take that thing, you're going to be self-sustained. You're going to have a house in plantations, and you're going to have solar on the house and a borehole in front of you, and you're going to have a bank balance that you will never have to worry. Again, you'll put your kids through private school. They'll come and leech on you for the next 10 years before they finally get up, and, and it won't even hit your bank balance. You will be able to put yourself in the nicest retirement home in the world. In fact, when you go to heaven, you, you'll be bummed that you're going. Like, you have so much. You won't need anything. You know what the fight over your life is? To drink from the river or the tree. And every single day that you wake up, you got to fight. Am I going to drink from the river or eat from the tree? Am I going to solve the problem and all those emails and fix that thing and move to Australia? Or am I going to drink from the river? Am I going to live in the present or am I going to live solving the future? Am I going to trust in the river and his provision or am I going to make it happen myself? Every single day. 
your spiritual war, your greatest war every single day. And this is my fight. What's my greatest value? Is it silver and gold or is it the precious blood of Jesus? Is it financial freedom or is it righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit? Every day, I have to rewire. Every single day, because of News 24 and 100 other problems around me, I have to ask the question, what do I fear most? Is it KZN collapsing into like some sinkhole because it floods the whole time? Or is it God and not living out my calling? What is the thing that is going to sustain my soul? Is it kite surfing, which is close second? Or is it the river? What, what is going to make me most effective today? Is it answering all those emails and WhatsApps and organizing that thing and moving stuff forward? Or is it being connected to the vine? Because the Bible says without him, if I'm not connected, I can do nothing. The fight you and I have every single morning is are we going to eat from the tree or are we going to drink from the river? And God goes, cut that darn thing down. I don't know why it grows back up so fast the next day, but cut it down again. And go drink from the river and chop that darn thing down. Don't look. And go drink from the river. Come back into my presence. Come and enjoy me. You know why praise and worship matters so much? Because of the words you sing. I know you all like, oh, it's the worship song, it's so nice, and melody. No. The reason it matters so much is the words you're declaring in song. You're basically saying, God, the river will feed me, not the tree. And so as we wrap up today, well done, you stayed awake. As we wrap up today, because there is a call on your life, and because you stayed this far, I mean, if you stayed this far, like you've missed the boat, like now's the time. Let's shift our eyes as we sing a last song. You guys can come up. Let's shift our eyes from the tree and put it on the river and just declare to ourselves, this year, I'm going to feed myself from the rivers of living water that God provides and not from the blooming fruit of this world. And watch what God does. So we're going to sing. And this is you singing to your soul. Soul, obey God. Stop getting caught in the world. And then let's go out, have lots of nice coffee, and go home. Let's stand.
just before we close out, I've got a question for Ruth. Does God's peace extend to dealing with taxis as well when I'm in traffic? <laughs> uh, thank you for joining us today, guys. Please, why don't you just stay and join us for teas and coffees, and we'll see you guys next week. Thank you.